0: all right well we're going to continue on in the book of ephesians and uh before we do that though, i want to mention a couple other prayer requests. penny's homesick. if you would be praying for her she's getting better but she something hit her kind of quick and uh so be praying for her and then also sue flight uh you know she's has she has some uh she has ms and so it causes a lot of fatigue and those kind of things and it always gets way worse with the summer coming on and when the warmer it gets, so be just praying for her that God will give her extra dose of energy and strength. And, uh, I'm just going to take a minute to do this. Logan, did you, did what, the appointment happen this week? Was that the appointment we were praying for?
1: Right
0: yeah, okay, but it happened did it go good or bad uh, or medium bad. horribly. All right. We'll f- catch up with you later. So keep praying for that. It was on my mind. So, Sorry, I forgot to check. All right, so turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to do a little bit of a review, and I think I mentioned last week we took a little uh, jump out of Ephesians and we talked about Scripture and God's Word from Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and three seventeen, and uh, that was because I feel like this passage is so heavy and so thick uh, with good stuff that I wanted to take a step back, figure out how to reapproach it. And you know what? I'm still not 100% sure how we're supposed to approach it. So what I wanted to do today is I'm just going to lay out kind of the groundwork or big picture. And I've said this before. You ever walk, uh, you go to a hotel, you check in, and they kind of give you that little map. And you have the whole thing, and then they'll tell you your room is right here. But you kind of have a big picture. You go to a campground to set up, and you kind of look around like, should I set my tent up here? Should I set my tent up here? Uh, and, and you kind of get the lay of the land. That's kind of what we're going to be doing today is just getting the lay of the land in this passage. Um, and again, I particularly feel very uh, excited about this passage, as I mentioned last week. It's the passage I've, it's the first message I've preached as an official pastor. At my ordination ceremony, this was the passage that I, I taught out of. So uh, I really, really do. Appreciate it. Let's start with the review. So chapters one through three, big picture. We talked about the wealth that we have in Christ. Remember, we talked about all the spiritual blessings we've been given. We talked about the fact that we've been redeemed. We talked about the fact that we've been forgiven. We talked about all those things, all the wealth or the riches we have in Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to read verses uh, one through six, just to jog your memory. A couple weeks ago, we talked about walking in the wealth and the oneness that we've been given. So this should jog your memory from a few weeks ago. Paul said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or urge you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness. In other words, humility, remember, gentleness, patience, or long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, working hard, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he goes through this list of things, and I know that's small, but this is what he says. He says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So that is kind of the reminder. He said, hey, walk in the wealth that you have. Part of walking in that is understanding that you've been brought into this new community. And so he says you've been brought into this new community. And Paul really emphasizes because we talk about what does it mean to walk with God? Right? You've heard that phrase a lot, walking with God. What is wa- the term walking with God? Like, that's a kind of, okay, what else? Walking with God. Is it very literal? It's a kind of a metaphor for what? good yeah in step with god living out your faith the way you live living with god as a part of your life <clears throat> and so i think what's interesting here is a lot of times we don't necessarily think and but this is the very first thing when he, paul says walk worthy or walk on equal walk matched up to your calling the very first thing he mentions is living in community with other believers He doesn't talk about giving money. He doesn't talk about quitting your bad habits. He doesn't. The very first thing he talks about. So it's it's vital for a walk with God is learning to live in community with other believers. Learning that you've been brought in. Remember, you spent all that time. He's saying, hey, no longer Jew or Gentile, but you've all been made one. You all have the same access. So he wants them to know they've been brought into a whole new relationship, not only with God, but. With other believers. And that's not a big razzle dazzle message for a lot of us, but it's vital to our walk with God. If we're going to walk with God, we have to understand about what the church is and how we are to live in community with one another. So we're going to cover all these verses. We're going to go back over them and talk in more detail over the next few weeks. But basically what I'm hoping you'll grab today is that Christ designed his body to grow? When we say body, we're talking about the church. That's one of the metaphors in scripture. Does anyone know what else the church is called as a metaphor? A picture? The bride. Any others? A building sometimes it's referred to as a building or the temple. Okay, the church. So his body to grow. He designed his body to grow. And he's given us each an important part to play. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to ask these questions, but first let me just pray one more time. Father, I thank you for our salvation. I thank you for the richness of the relationship we have with you. That We're not just brought into a relationship with you, but we get all kinds of blessings and benefits that just go beyond what we can even imagine. So I thank you for that. I thank you that one of those blessings and benefits is being brought into your family. And please help us to, just as we even look at the scriptures today, that we would learn the importance of living in community, living, uh, being a part, an active part in the church. And again, I thank you for this local group, this group of believers that you brought us together. And I'm grateful for each person who you brought to this church. And pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So a couple questions. What do you think of when you hear the term church growth? New members, all right? Salvations, people being saved. Deeper knowledge. All good answers. Any, anything else? Church growth. Okay, what kind of things do you think caused the church to grow? Okay, evangelism. Okay. Heart of concern. Okay, correct doctrine? Truth. Love. The passage we're gonna look at talks about truth and love today. John? Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So these questions we're asking are going to actually even be addressed in the passage we're looking at today. So it's good for us to kind of just think about, we'll re-look at these questions again at the end. And then what would, you, what would it take, and this is kind of like, oh yeah, right, like that's going to happen. But just kind of imagine with me, what would it take for the church, and when I say church, I don't mean just Paradise Springs, but the church in Phoenix to make Jesus fully known here. In Phoenix. Let's just keep it Phoenix based. What would have to happen?
1: Have to talk to others. Which others?
0: Okay. Good. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Would it be, have to be working? How does the Holy Spirit, what causes the Holy Spirit to work in a church? Open hearts. Yeah. So it'd be more than just telling people. It would be maybe helping them to want to accept. Yeah. Yeah. And I I would say kind of going back to the Holy Spirit, I think really for the Holy Spirit to work, people need to be walking according to the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit. And uh, so good. Any other thoughts on that one? All right, what do you think of when you hear the word minister? Not a priest? Okay. Or you do think of a priest? No. Oh, what else? Serve, teaching. Someone who serves, someone who teaches, someone who leads. Y'all have kind of an idea, something came to your mind when you said minister? When you, when you hear the word minister... Do you think of a guy in slacks or Dow? in slacks or do you think of a guy sweating in a ditch somewhere working on a construction site? Which one do you think of? Which kind of pops in the head first, minister? <laughs>
1: okay. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. We're going to talk about that. All right. Awesome guys. So I kind of just wanted us to start kind of thinking about the passage that we're going to look at and thinking of it in terms of kind of just some real life uh, points. So the first point we're going to make by looking at these verses again, we're doing high altitude flyover today. Very, very basic. In, in these first uh, verses, verses seven through 11, then we'll read through them. I'm going to just give a simple explanation. But the idea here is that Christ gave his church gifts and leaders for growth. He gave us, he gave the church gifts and leaders. And the reason he did that was so that the church could grow. We'll talk a little bit more about what that growth looks like. But he gave gifts and leaders for its growth. So the first verse that we're looking at today says, but to each one of us. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So what he's basically saying there, each and every one of us that are a part of the church, each one of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ has been given a special gift or a special calling in service to God. Every single person who's a believer has been given a gift. And the special calling is an undeserved gift. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you work for. It's not something you pay for. And you're like, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the executive level course here. Uh, it's a gift of grace. It's out of God's grace. It's an undeserved gift, this thing that he gives you and, and I. He gives us all one in, in the body of Christ. And then it also says here, according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that means that it was administered to each one of us. Each one of you and I got our gift from Christ. According to the portioning he chose. So he picked our gift and he chose to what degree we got that gift. And we'll talk more about the specific gifts that are mentioned in scripture. But let's say somebody has uh, the gift of faith that's mentioned as a gift. What he's saying is he picked you. If you have the gift of faith, he picked you to have that gift. And he said, here's the degree of that gift that you're going to get, but not everybody gets the exact same degree of that. And it's something that may help is if you think about a recipe and preparing a meal, you have a bunch of different ingredients, don't you? To make that finished meal, all one nice, big, great meal, you have a bunch of different ingredients, but they're all kind of also in different proportions, aren't they? You don't do a cup of flour, a cup of sugar, a cup of, it's not all the exact same. There's varying degrees. And so that's kind of the idea here is every single one of us got a different gift according to the grace of God. And that grace was doled out to us by Christ as he saw fit for each and every one of us. So kind of a quick question or just a thought first is, you know, you've been given something that the body needs. So if you feel like you're not an important part of the body of Christ, you're wrong. You've been given something that the body of Christ needs. And so why do you think it just kind of No, why do you think Christ would say, I'm gonna give you different gifts? Why would he do that? Okay. Why else? Need them all? Not one of us? Yeah. What else? Those are good answers going to have to interact with each other and rely on one another, aren't we? And that's a going to require us to walk with God. Good. So if nothing else, just know now today after reading this that you have a gift that the body of Christ needs and that it was not randomly assigned to you. Christ himself, as it says here, according to the measure of christ gift it's what he gives the next verse says therefore he says when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men we're going to come back and talk in more detail about this because this verse can be a little confusing but paul looks to the old testament psalm 68 i think it's 18 and he uses this verse to talk about christ giving gifts and the big picture here is That Christ is victorious, and out of his victory, he provided gifts for his people. So it's kind of the idea of Christ as this divine warrior. He ascended high and led captivity. So you picture uh, maybe a, a general that goes and conquers an opposing army, and he gets all the spoils of them and even takes some of those people as prisoners and then brings them back. And since he is victorious, he has the right then to hand out those things as gifts right? They've become his. He's victorious. And so the picture here is of Christ as this victorious warrior who says, I have the right to give these gifts out. We'll talk in more detail about that, but uh, it can be a little bit of a confusing verse. And same for this next one we'll look at. It says, now this, he ascended, but what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. This verse gets interpreted a lot of different ways. It's that Christ went uh, into hell, and then one that he preached. Some would say, based on a verse in, in Peter, 2 Peter 3, that he preached to the souls there, and then ascended to high. Some people say this is just referring to him coming down to earth, living, dying being resurrected, ascending. Some people it is that he descended to the disparity of even death. So there's some ideas. We might talk a little bit more about that. But when you look at this verse, the point is, he's went to the highest highs and the lowest lows. And here's what he wants. All that was so that he might fill all things. Okay? That he might fill all things. So he doesn't want to just be in the depths and in the heights, but everywhere in between. So however you interpret that verse, like, oh, he went to hell and preached to the souls there in Hades or whatever you would, however you would translate that, the bottom line is he's saying he went to the lowest depths and the highest heights. And so you can argue over the points of that, but the main idea is he wants to fill all things. So if you think about this, Let's just talk about this, that he might fill all things. To fill means to render full, complete, to carry into effect, to bring into realization. So what he's saying is Christ's fullness is known in the heavens. Do you think they're doubting in the heavens? Like, is Christ supreme? Is Who is he? What? No. Do you think the enemies, the evil, we'll, we'll say demons, Satan, do you think they're doubting Christ? What do you think? What do you picture in the New Testament and the gospel stories? What would happen when Christ showed up on the scene and there was a demon present where they kind of like, I'm not sure I fully understand who you are. You know, could you do the demons usually got it before any of the other people did. And what would the demons do? They would run, they would flee, they would beg. They would... So the highest heights and the lowest lows know who Christ is. And what he's saying is he did that because he wants to fill all things. So he doesn't want to just be fully known in the heavens. He doesn't want to just be fully known by the demons. He wants to be fully known here, that he might fill all things. And so he's talking about the church here, and he's saying, hey, he gave gifts to this person. He gave gifts to this person. He ascended. He gave out gifts because he wants to be fully known. And so that tells us one thing that we need to to realize is, Christ wants Himself to be fully known in the in between, or here on earth, through the church. Right? Is Christ showing up in the clouds? Have you? I mean, He will one day. But do you see Christ in the clouds on, on your morning commute? Do you you look. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the road. Uh, do you do you uh, do you hear an audible Christ talking? No, the way he makes himself fully known is through the body of Christ. And so a lot of times we think about church as being all about us. Like, what am I going to get out of it? Man, church wasn't that good. I didn't really get anything out of that. That's not the big purpose of the church. That is to happen. But the big purpose of the church isn't to sing four songs and have a sermon. The big purpose of the church isn't to do good things in the community. It may include four songs. It may include a sermon. It may include good things. The big purpose of the church is to make Jesus Christ known in the here and now, in the in-between. That's what we're called to, to make Christ known. So now, if we talk about this, why is the body a good metaphor for the church? And then I'll kind of pull this together a little bit more. Why is the body a good metaphor? Why do you think he uses the body? as a metaphor all of us one right it's a bunch of different parts working together Mm -hmm. and so does christ is christ here bodily on the earth is he in body form kind of a trick question no, his body is not here, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But he wants to be working, and you've heard the sayings like, we are the hands and feet of Christ. That's what he wants to happen in a church. And I just want to say this because it's really, I, to me, really loud, and this is one of my hobby horses or whatever you call it, uh, but for us to understand that all of this and what we're talking about is way more than Sunday services. I mean, it's a it, uh, Sunday service is one hour out of 168. When Paul was writing this, he wasn't thinking, "Do you guys have the perfectly planned Sunday service? You guys have a smoke machine, right? You guys have a perfect all the, the music. Okay, you guys got perfect people in perfect suits and perfect thing. You got a perfect preacher. You got that's not what he's thinking at all." He's thinking of these people coming together from all kinds of walks of life that he goes, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this. and I'm going to give you this. And you're all one, but you're all different. And now I want you to behave as one. And as you do that, the whole world will begin to know. And I think that's part of why Phoenix doesn't know. And again, there, there's all kinds of reasons. And I'm not harping on us because I think we as a body are, we're moving in the right direction. I'm so grateful for our, our congregation. But if you think about the churches in Phoenix, a lot of it is you have these little teams of people, and people think, well, they're the ones doing the work. The worship team or the preaching team or the building committee or the whatever, when that's not the way he designed it. He designed for everybody in the body to be doing the work of the body. And if we begin to do that, Jesus will be more and more fully known in our communities. So any questions or thoughts on that? I will say that's part of why we do the services. I know our services are not typical services. We're not like really out there. But a lot of times people are like, well, you take a lot time to share prayer request? Yeah, because it's about us. You guys are do- doing feedback and questions and comments on a Sunday. Like that just doesn't work. It's about he put us all together. That's why we're doing some of these things the way we're doing them. It's purposeful. It may not be razzle-dazzle in the most prettiest deal, but that's okay. We're fumbling our way through it, trying to figure out the best way we can live this out by, with what Christ has given us. Make sense? So his, it's not all about us. It's about him making himself known through the church. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Again, we'll talk more about this. There's all kind of different. uh, Some people say these are still active roles in the church. Some people say uh, some of them have ceased. There's no longer necessarily apostles, prophets. Some have said they're kind of general. Apostles would be considered church planners now. Some people would say there's all kind of different views about this. We'll talk more about that. But essentially what he's saying is. Christ gave gifts to men. And then also he says he gave, so he gave gifts, but he also gave leaders to the church so that it would grow. He gave gifts and he gave leaders. So that's about those different views. We'll get to this. Just know this. Christ gave gifts and he gave leaders so that, the church will grow. Kind of a, our next big point is this. Christ's church grows as leaders equip and saints serve. So you want to talk like, so I asked earlier, like, what would it take for a church to grow? Well, Scripture tells us. Leaders equipping, saints serving. Like, where did you get that, Rich? So he provided these leaders... Pastors, teachers, all of those ones I just said, for the equipping of the saints. So it would be like we want to supply and furnish you with all the things that the saints would need so that the saints could have a bunch of information, so that the saints could have a competition and see who's smarter and knows more Bible trivia. Is that what we're supposed to equip for? Sometimes if you were playing Bible, I'm not just kidding. No, he does. Uh, the leaders are to equip so that the saints can do the work of the ministry so the leaders are to equip so that the guy in the ditch can be ministering to his family to his friends to his coworkers to the other guys in the ditch to his enemies that's how a church grows. Christ designed his church to grow. And one thing he designed is he designed to give gifts to the people. And he designed for leaders to be there. And he designed for the leaders to be equipping the people and the saints to be serving. So you've been given a gift. And part of what he wants you to do is use your gift to serve. We'll talk more about like, what is my gift? How am I supposed to even know that? I will say this is basic, basic, basic. This would come out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Just start serving and your gift will be made evident. Just start serving and your gift will be made evident. And I would say start serving in a way that you would enjoy serving. Right? If you've got a bad back, we don't want you moving chairs. Like That's just not probably your, your way to, to, to serve. But just start serving. Because you are called to do the work of the ministry. Or you're called to be equipping others. One of those two things you're supposed to be doing. But it's not to just... Show up. And there's a period of time where that's okay. And I want to say, when we say work of ministry, it doesn't mean here on Sunday you have to be in the kids' ministry. It could be helping. And I have, I'll tell you what, you guys minister to me all the time. You guys do the work of the ministry to me. I get phone calls or, or different, uh, hey, can we help you with this? Or hey, and I know you guys do that for each other. That's the work of the ministry. Hey, I'm going to pray for you we giving some godly counsel or advice. We are to be doing the work of the ministry. And it's not just on Sunday mornings. If you're not a part of a formal ministry, that's okay. But be ministering. Be ministering. Be ministering to your family. Be ministering to those around you. God's given you a circle that I will never reach. Ever. And he's put you in the middle of that circle of people. And he wants you to be making Christ fully known in that circle. That's how it's supposed to work. The reason Jesus gave these people was the church so they could equip the saints, so the saints could do the work of the ministry, so the body of Christ would be built up. There it is. For the equipping of the saints, so the leaders lead, equip. Saints do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. All that happens so that the body of Christ would be built up. Make sense? Questions? Can you see why I said this? Is a, there's a lot here, right? Maybe, are we tracking? Is it too much? We're going to keep going. Okay. So what is the church supposed to grow into? Like, how do you know if your church has, is successfully growing? Is it that we have to have two services? Is that success? Not necessarily. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But that's not necessarily a sign of That's not what scripture calls success. When the church is growing into a likeness of Jesus Christ, he says, so all this stuff is to be going on. The leaders are to be equipping. The saints are to be serving until we all come to the unity of the faith. Or we all have the same idea about Christ. We're all kind of, of one mind about Christ and know the son of God. So the people here, so we, have the same mind about Christ. We all have come to know Christ. To a perfect man or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, I'm not mean to scratch that, I don't mean to underline it. What that means is, can you imagine if you grew in your maturity? The goal of your maturity is that you would grow into an exact representation of Jesus Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that you would be in the same stature as him, that you would be in the exact likeness of him. That's our ultimate goal. And it says that these things are supposed to happen until this happens. These will happen. We are to be equipping and serving till we all come. to, And that will happen. I think it's going to happen in glory is when it ultimately happens but we're still to be shooting for that every day till glory. When I say glory, what do I mean? Next life, heaven. Okay. So a church is successful or has grown the way it's supposed to grow when corporately and individually, the people are the representation or the likeness of Christ. That's how you measure church growth. And I like to say, in in my mind, there's two aspects of that that will be happening for a healthy church. There will be multiplication and there will be maturity. If one of those is missing, then then maybe you're kind of just becoming mature in your bubble and you're not reaching out to the others around you that you should. But if it's just multiplication and there's no maturity, then, then that's a problem also. So multiplication and maturity. Um, this is the equipping ministry and ministry of the saints is to continue till we have a common correct understanding of Christ, perfect knowledge of Christ, perfectly embodied Christ. And here's what that kind of looks like. Here are some indicators that that's happening. When you become the likeness of Christ will no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Think about a kid. Are kids pretty easy to trick? I mean, how many of you did the old quarter trick with the kid? Like, I mean, a 15-year-old probably is not going to fall for it, you know, unless you're a really good magician. Uh, but you, that's part of why we start warning our kids at early age, like, don't go with stranger danger. If anyone says this or, hey, what, don't we? Why do we do that? To protect them because they're easily tricked. And what he's saying is as we mature in Christ, we will not be so easily tricked. What are some of the things that trick us as adult Christians? False doctrine? Media, the the, the world that says don't be conformed, the world's trying to press us into a mold. Constantly have what else tricks us? Politics, world systems. Scientology, different, uh, and I would say that goes back to like the idea of doctrine and knowing what scripture says, because there's a lot under the blanket of religion that would be false. We get tricked by that. How about our feelings? They will never get tricked by their feelings, their gut. It's internal. That comes from that comes from uh, James one twenty one. It says that we are to put off all the filthiness. And overflow of wickedness, that's all the outside things and the inside things, and receive the word implanted, rooted, taking root, that you may be able to save your souls. So there's all kinds of things trying to trick us and mess with us and deceive us. And part of a mark of maturing in Christ is that we're not going to be so easily fooled, just like we won't want our kids to be easily fooled by all those evil forces out there. So if we... If we do this and grow the way we're supposed to, we'll avoid immaturity, wishy-washiness, and being deceived and tricked. And here's kind of the positive. That's the negative. Like, you won't be doing this anymore. You won't be getting tricked as much. The positive side is, but speaking the truth in love, you'll grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So, we'll speak the truth. We talked about this earlier. Someone said doctrine. Someone else said love. It's both of those things. How many of you have had someone deliver a message of truth, and it had no love. And you're kind of like, wow, you just hit me over the head with the Bible hammer. And I'm bleeding. Anybody ever had that? Someone get beat over the head with the Bible verse or something, condemnation. It's not loving correction. I'm the only one. Okay. If it was me that did that to you, I apologize. Because I know I have probably done that at different times. Have you ever... Maybe had a hard time giving. It's, uh, maybe you, you're like, I just want to love this person. I want to love this person. And part of loving them is you need to give them some truth. Like, you're believing a lie. This is The way you're walking is sinful. It's, got, it's truth and love. And as we do that, we will grow into him. We'll grow into the representation who is Christ. Who's the head of the church? And then I just kind of want to close on this verse. Well, I don't want to close on this verse. I want to move into a little bit more uh, application. But when Christ grows his church, christ I'm sorry, Christ grows his church when each person is doing their part. I don't feel like this is a vital thing, and I don't want to say, like, you need to get plugged into an official ministry. You need, but I will say, I think it was Rob, I said, what does ministry mean? Serving. That was you, right, Rob? Yeah, ser- serving. And so I would say, serving, that could be at home. That could be in your family, extended family. That could be in your neighborhood. That could be here. But taking the equipping you've got here and serving <coughs> when each person is doing their part. So all this is happening. The head, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. What are joints? They're connecting points, right? You're not going to, your body's not going to function well. What, what do we call it when the joints are pulled apart? Dislocated, pain. How many of you have had a dislocated shoulder or knee or something like that? How, how well do you function? Not well. You're just like laying there, somebody help me. And so the idea here is that we've been, the, Jesus Christ, the head has provided us what we need, but it only works as we're working it with those connecting points, touching and working together well according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. They often say that 20% of the church is doing 80% of the work. Um, I like to think we're not in that we're, we're doing better, but we all have room to grow. And again, I don't want you to hear you need to be doing something on Sunday. That's word is making much bigger than that. Maybe it is on Sunday, but it's probably Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday also. Which every part doesn't share. Here's what happens. Every part doesn't share. It causes the growth of the body. Or the edifying or building itself up. love. Now a lot of times we think. Why isn't our church growing?
1: What's the pastor doing wrong?
0: If they would just do this. If they
1: would do these songs instead of those songs. If they just had better coffee. If they just had a taller pastor. Then things would be again. Be so old fashioned. If you, know, if you want to go to church? Every they're doing their part. Right? I'm and I'm not saying that to get me off the, off the hook. i got to do my part too. We're all in the same boat there. So Christ so, provides the whole church with what it needs to grow. He gives gifts, he gives leaders, and so that it would build itself from he did this by giving people body exactly what they need. So they can perform their part, which causes the church to be healthy and growing full of love. Makes that make sense? Now, again, now, again I said this is a big We're going to take part this apart a little bit more week by week. But I want to step, step, back step back and see, and see. what not, he has us. He has provided, provided everything the body needs to grow. To grow. He's not, he's he's not, not withholding something. To but that's his likeness. Make him, make we him, know, fully. Know, he hasn't, he he's not like, going like, hmm the same thing. Church needs to really, really represent. He's given. He's it giving, giving. So and now, what? in kind of face Right, right. We, 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 we. kind of like 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 things? Like what kind of things? we like What kind of things? What kind of church to grow. Mention, mention to two. the leaders, leaders, who are the In the, the, the same, same survey, yeah, that, oh, that the, 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 church the church to According to, the, the scripture. scripture. church, church, Phoenix. knowledge, knowledge, truth, love, love, All the parts are the up, right, right. Not just not just and again, again, if you just like just All like, this this Sunday, Sunday, I'm, Sunday. I'm, I'm trusting that you are serving. serving, other serving. But if, but if, if, if people, people I think I this think is a big mentality, mentality. Is is I go, I go to church, church. Instead, instead of, of that, that I'm a church. I'm part of the church, and I think and that's, that's why Christ, Christ maybe isn't is as, is as known because we we many times kind of sit back and I don't realize like I'm supposed to be beating the church being my part of the church. What do you think of when you hear the word minister based on this? All of us. Yeah, yeah, good. So generally speaking, Christ designed the church to grow. In order for the church to grow, each member must do their part. And remember, the church is not all about us. These services aren't that we have on Sunday, and it's not all about the services, but it's not just for you. What we're trying
0: to do is equip, fuel up, and you've heard me you say this before, and this may not be a perfectly accurate statement, but the church is not meant to be a landing strip. It's meant to be a launching pad. I don't remember who I heard that from, but I love it because sometimes we think, oh, I made it to church, and that's where it's at. And sometimes that's all you need, but you need to be getting filled up, equipped, encouraged, strengthened, taught Uh Love all of that here so that you can go out into the world and live these things that we've been talking. That's where it's at. That's how we make Jesus Christ known. So just to, you don't have to answer these, but just begin to think about what would it look like for me to live this passage out? What if we didn't have Sunday services anymore? What would church look like? Could we do this? Let me just ask you this is it yes or no. Could we do this? without Sunday services? Yeah, we'd have to still figure out some ways for some equipping done and some serving to be done, but we could do it without a Sunday service, couldn't we? How can we apply these truths to the other 167 hours of the week? And what does it look like as we scatter? So today we're gathered in a little bit here, probably another 20 minutes after I'm done teaching. Just kidding. We'll That was a joke. We'll scatter. So we're gathered and then we scatter. God wants us to be living this out as we scatter also, not just as we're gathered. All right, let me pray. Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you that we have been brought into this body the community of your son and that we can be representatives of him. We do want Christ to be fully known. We want to do our part as Paradise Springs Community Church and the members of that. We want to, we want to be living these scriptures out. Thank you for giving them to us and teaching us about what the body is and how to live in harmony and unity with one another, uh, reflecting your son's glory. Please help us to learn how to do that. I pray that you would show each person here that they would walk out encouraged, knowing that they have an important part and that they would feel uh, equipped. Even just getting into your word, they would feel more equipped today. And We love you. We thank you that you love us even more. We're so grateful for your forgiveness for giving us righteousness and a relationship with you through your son. We
1: pray these things in his name. Amen.